Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Let's read it together, shall we? Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Last Sunday, right after service was concluded, I hastened home, changed clothes, loaded a couple of kayaks and some camping gear in my truck, and left with another guy for a three-day, two-night, mental health getaway camping trip on the St. Mary's River. Those of you who have been on that river know that it has a lazy current, so I didn't have to paddle the entire trip. Sometimes, when the shoulders or the back started aching, I could take a rest and just sit there and let the current carry me along. On that trip, there were a couple of times when I got distracted just observing what was going on, and I missed the spot I was looking for, and as a result, I needed to back up. Even though the current was very mild, I confess that it was a challenge trying to paddle against the current to get to where I needed to be. Someone has defined culture as the water we swim in. I found the same thing to be true about the culture as was true about my kayaking trip. It's difficult to paddle or swim against the current. The culture in which we swim is one that says that man is the measure of all things. It says that the primary purpose of life is self-actualization. It says that morality is situational and relative. It says that hell is a myth, heaven is a fantasy. Eternity is a joke, and the supernatural is nothing more than coincidence. The culture in which we swim says that life consists of whether or not you are successful, and then it says that success is measured by the bottom line, and the size and the placement of the office, and the title on the door, and the toys in the garage. When the current of culture is going one way, It's difficult to swim against the current and be countercultural. But that is precisely what the follower of Jesus is called to do. In the midst of a culture that ignores God, the Lord steps up and says to those who would be his followers, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to live like the world does. 
Instead, I want you to live your life by 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, that you will glorify God in your body and spirit, which belong to God. I want you to live by Galatians 6 and 8, that you sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. Because if you sow to the flesh, then from the flesh you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, then you'll reap eternal life. He says, I want you to live by Deuteronomy 8 and 3, that you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want you to live by Mark 12, verses 30 and 31, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and you'll love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to live by 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, that you abstain from the lower nature that's always at war with your soul and live such a good life among the pagans that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, yet when they see your good deeds, they will glorify God in the day that he comes to receive us home. I want you to live by 1 Peter 1 and 16, that you shall be holy even as I am holy. Now, what I found is that it's a lot easier to preach about living this way than it is to actually put it into practice. Come on, somebody. But in our text from Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul gives us a formula for how to swim against the current of the culture and live the sanctified life to which followers of Jesus have been called. This formula can be stated in three words. The first word is the word consider. Consider. In verse 11 he writes, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The verse begins with the word even so and that refers back to the previous verse, verse 10. The death that he, Jesus, died, he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives, he lives to God. So what he's saying is that in the same way that Jesus died to sin and died to the old life and lives to God through the resurrection, even so you consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ. That word consider is the word logizomai, which in its literal sense is an accounting term. It means simply to count or to number something. The word was commonly used metaphorically in the sense of fully affirming a truth or having unreserved inner confidence in the reality of what the mind acknowledges. In this, in this verse, the word consider means to make an intellectual decision that you're not going to allow sin to take hold and run your life. Paul says that when you live this sanctified life, it means you're going to consider yourself to be dead to sin. The very idea, listen, the very idea of responding positively to sin's invitation should strike the believer as morbid. For the follower of Jesus to choose sin is the spiritual equivalent of digging up a corpse for fellowship. Too often what happens is that someone comes to Jesus, repents, is born again, made new by the Spirit of God, but then continues to think of himself or herself in the same old way. Listen, that temper you used to have was part of the old carnal person. That person is dead. 
I don't know if you know this or not, dead people don't get angry. <laughs> dead people don't get offended. Dead people don't step on anybody on their way to the top. Dead people don't have selfish attitudes. Dead people don't gossip. Dead people don't mistreat others. If you're going to live the sanctified life, you're going to have to change your perspective. You're going to have to change the way you think. You're going to have to realize that the old you no longer exists. Now there's a new you. The former one is dead to sin. The new you is alive to God in Christ Jesus. And, and this isn't some kind of psychological mind game by which you keep affirming something over and over and over until you convinced, uh, you're convinced against your better judgment or even against reality that it is true. The reason you know that you are dead to sin but alive to Jesus is because God's Word declares it is so. It isn't a question of feelings. It isn't a question of mind over matter. Those statements are truths of faith, and they must be affirmed in faith. And until you accept the truth that Jesus has broken the power of sin over your life, you cannot live victoriously because in your innermost being, you, do, you really don't think it's possible. Now that you are in Jesus, you are not what you used to be. You are a new you. Listen, you're not a remodeled sinner. You're a remade saint. Several weeks ago, I had one of those mornings where the alarm clock went off and it seemed like I had just gone to sleep. Have you ever had one of those nights that just seemed to pass very quickly? You're sleeping soundly. It seemed like you just closed your eyes and boom, then the alarm clock went off. Well, that's what happened to me. I opened my, my eyes and... And I said, it can't possibly be 6 o'clock in the morning. But I looked at the clock. It said 6 o'clock. I got up, looked out the window. The sun was just coming up. I went into the family room, opened up my computer. The clock on the computer said 6 o'clock. I looked at my phone. 6 o'clock. Now, I submit to you, it really didn't matter how I felt. The facts were all there pointing to the reality that it was 6 o'clock in the morning. It was a fact, no matter how I felt about it. I'm telling you today that if you're going to walk in the victory of the sanctified life, you're going to have to get your thinking out of the realm of fickle emotions and begin to reckon on God's facts. The fact of the matter is that according to verse 5 of this chapter, you have become united with Jesus in his death and resurrection. According to verse 6, your old self was crucified with Jesus. That means when Jesus died, he died for you. He died as your substitute. His death had your name on it. When Jesus died for you, you died with him. According to verses 3 and 4, you were buried with Jesus. When Jesus was buried, you were buried. The reason the Bible says that you died with Jesus and that you were buried with Jesus is because Jesus carried your sins into the grave of God's forgetfulness. Now, listen, the devil would love to intimidate you with the bones of your old life, but your sins are in the grave of God's forgetfulness. That, that's what baptism is all about. It's a representation of the burial you have in Jesus. That's why we baptize people by immersion. 
Baptism teaches and symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I want to tell you the baptistry is a liquid tomb. When you give your heart to Jesus, we immerse you beneath the water. We bury you beneath the water. You are buried with him in baptism. Then you are raised up even as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. This symbolizes you being raised up into a new life. That's why verses 4 and 5 talk about being raised with Jesus. Jesus had a life that the grave couldn't keep. After he carried your sins to the grave and left them there, Jesus came out of that grave, living, risen, victorious. When Jesus rose for you 2,000 years ago, you rose with the Lord Jesus. And now the Bible says in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. What that means is you are a new person. You have come out of the grave of the old life. Your old master no longer has any hold on you. The old debt has no more penalty that you have to pay. Your sins are buried in the grave of God's forgetfulness. When Jesus came out of the grave on that first Easter morning, you came out with him, and you have been raised to walk in a new life. When Jesus gave himself for you, his death had your name on it. His burial had your name on it. His resurrection had your name on it. When he died, you died with him. When he was buried, you were buried with him. When he rose, you rose with him. Listen, listen. Today's world doesn't really need any more churches as important as they are. It doesn't need more counselors. It doesn't need more government agencies. It doesn't need more community programs. It doesn't need more seminars. But what this world needs is more people of God to stand up and put on the mantle of Jesus Christ and to live out in everyday life the living word of God in their homes and in their businesses and in their neighborhoods. And when that happens, you'll see the greatest revival this world has has ever known. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody would object when I say this country is in need of a turnaround and a course correction. I want to tell you today, what we really need to turn this country around is not health care reform. It's not welfare reform. It's not prison reform. It's not tax reform. And I don't really care which political party is in power. That's not what we need. That's not what's going to turn this thing around. The only thing that will turn this country around is an old-fashioned, heaven-sent, blood-bought, Bible-taught, demon-chasing, bondage-breaking, captive-loosing, miracle-working, Holy Ghost revival. And for that revival to happen, followers of Jesus need to stand up and be counted. Followers of Jesus need to understand that submitting to Jesus is the smartest move you will ever make. I think I'm about ready to preach. You need to live a sanctified life under the lordship of Jesus and show the world by the way you live that the spirit-formed life is the only way to achieve true success. The sanctified life begins as a decision to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Then it continues as you embrace the second word in this formula. It's the word consecrate. You're going to have to consecrate yourself as an instrument of righteousness. Listen again to verses 12 and 13. 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting, your, presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. What the Lord is saying through the apostle is that the most important part is how you yield your members, your body, what you do with your life. Regardless of what you may claim, if there is no evidence of redeemed actions, then redemption has not occurred. Your life is an influence. There is more to your life than your net worth. There is more to your life than your financial statement and your portfolio. There is more to your life than your status in the community. There is more to your life than your position in the company. You are more than just hide and hair and fat and fuel. You are more than clothes and appearance and interaction. You are more than some 206 bones and 600 muscles and 60,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries. You are more than a digestive system and a respiratory system and a nervous system. But in Genesis 5 and 1, you are made in the likeness of God. In Psalm 8 and 5, you are crowned with glory and honor and made a little lower than the angels. In Psalm 8 and 6, you've been given dominion over everything that God's hands have created. In 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, you are the reflection of the glory of God. In Psalm 139 and 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. What God wants out of you is for you to consecrate yourself as an instrument of righteousness and begin to reflect to this lost and dying world who you you really are in Jesus and what it means to live a life surrendered to his lordship. This idea of surrendering to the dominion of Jesus isn't just something that happens at salvation. That's where it begins, but then it has to be an ongoing activity. Every day of your life, you make a decision to surrender to Jesus. Every day of your life, you say no to the world and yes to Jesus. Every day of your life, you swim against the current of the culture in order to present yourself to God as a living sacrifice and an instrument of righteousness. You know, there was an old country preacher one time who prayed, Lord, help me to cooperate with you so you won't have to operate on me. That's a pretty good prayer. <laughs> when you consecrate yourself as an instrument of righteousness, it means that you say to the Lord, this is your mind, what do you want me to think? These are your eyes, what do you want me to see? These are your ears, what do you want me to hear? This is your mouth, what do you want me to say? These are your hands, what do you want me to do? These are your feet, where do you want me to go? Consecrating yourself as an instrument of righteousness means that you live by Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. In that act of consecrating yourself to Jesus, you give yourself to him without reservation. As you do, you remember this. 
He gave himself for you that he might give himself to you that he might then live his life through you. Consider consecrate. There's a third word in the formula for living the sanctified life. It's the word conquer. Verse 14 of our text says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not, not under law, but under grace. In order to live the sanctified life, there are some parts of your nature that you're going to have to conquer. You're going to have to take charge of those parts of your life. You're going to have to control them so they don't control you. In verse 12, it says, do not let. The truth is that before Calvary, before your identification with Jesus, and before you submitted your will to his, there's no possible way you can live the sanctified life even if you wanted to. But now that you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you, you don't have to let sin rule in your body. You have within you all it takes to live the sanctified life. But you're going to have to use your power of authority. I was reading the other day about a woman who wasn't married to a particular man, but the two of them were friends and got together and decided it'd be a good arrangement if they lived in the same apartment. They decided to share the apartment and it would be uh, a better economic arrangement for them. So she let this man move in with her. And it wasn't long before she realized she'd made a serious mistake. It wasn't such a good idea after all, and she decided she didn't want this guy in her apartment anymore. So she said to him, you're going to have to move out. And he said, I'm not going to move out. She said, oh, yes, you will. This is my apartment. He said, no, you invited me here, and I'm not moving out. Well, she didn't quite know what to do. She didn't have the physical strength to throw him out. She went and got a lawyer. The lawyer went to the court. She got a court order. She came back to the man and said, you're going to have to move out. I have legal papers that say you must or else you'll be thrown in jail. This time, the man moved out. Now, I want to tell you, Satan is very much like that man. He will come to your life and you'll say, Satan, I don't have to obey you. And he'll say, oh, yes, you do. You know how weak you are. You know my power over you. You know my control over you. You've invited me into your life. You and I have been together for a very long time. You know what we've done in the past, and I'm not moving. Let me tell you what to do when that happens. You take the court order, the word of God. You take the power of attorney, the Holy Spirit. And you say, here's something I know to be true. And then you say, here's something that I reckon, I count upon what I know. I calculate upon what I know. I know my identification with Jesus. I reckon my consecration to Jesus. So now I dethrone sin in my life. Satan, I don't have to let you rule my life. You're not going to stay and ruin my life. You dethrone him by the exercise of the authority you have in the Word of God and the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, and, and you don't just dethrone Satan, but you then enthrone the Savior. 
it's not enough to just say, Satan be gone. You also say, Lord Jesus, right now, this moment, I put you on the throne of my life. You conquer the flesh by yielding to Jesus. When you do that, you come to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I present myself to you. Satan, I will not obey you. I don't have to obey you any longer. Flesh, I don't have to obey you. You're, <laughs> you're dead. Your hold on me is gone. I was crucified with Christ. That old servant that used to serve sin, he's dead and buried. All the charges against me are gone because Jesus died for my sins and the law cannot bring me into double jeopardy. <laughs> it's a completed work and I don't have to obey my old master because I have a new master, the Lord Jesus. The way this works is because in verse 14, you are not under the law, but under grace. It is grace that gives you the power to conquer the old life and live the new sanctified life. You know, when we were on that river last week, we only saw two other people the whole trip. On the morning of the second day, we passed two guys in a small fishing boat. I didn't, didn't think too much about it until later when I realized that we were going downstream with the current, but they were going the opposite direction. And even though they were going against the current, they weren't struggling like we had when we tried to go against the current. And, and they were moving considerably faster than we were even going downstream. The reason, <laughs> you figured it out, there was a motor on the back of their boat. They had a power we didn't have. When I tried to go against the current, I made very little progress and I quickly tired. It's because I was going in my own strength. But these guys, oh, they were having no trouble at all because they were accessing a power other than their own. I want to tell you, you don't have to do this in your own strength and your own ability. There's a power you can use to live the sanctified life. It's the power of the Spirit that is freely given by the grace of God. If you try to go against the current of this culture in your own strength, you'll soon tire and will find yourself unable to continue. But if you'll access the grace that is available through the work of the Spirit, nothing can stop you. So here it is. What the Lord is calling for today is people who will swim against the current of this world system. He's calling for people to live the sanctified life. In order to do that, you're going to have to consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus. You've got to make that decision. You're going to have to consecrate yourself as an instrument of righteousness so that your influence can be used of the Lord. And then you're going to have to conquer yourself through grace. Thanks for hanging with me. Let's bow together in prayer, would you? Now, Lord, I want to thank you for today, and I want to thank you for your presence. And I'm asking now the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts right now. I pray that you'll take the words of the message and you'll pinpoint the area of our greatest need so we can receive your divine help. Lord, I want to pray right now for those 
who are not yet in right relationship with you. I pray that they'll have the courage to step out of the old life and into the new life by surrendering to Jesus. You don't need to pray a fancy prayer. You don't need me to pray a prayer for you. You just need to make up your mind that you're going to surrender to Jesus. Do it now. Do it now. Don't wait on a feeling. Don't wait on a sign. Just do it now. Surrender to Jesus. Lord, I'm also praying for those who have drifted and they need a course correction in their life. I pray that they will consecrate themselves anew in this moment. Again, they don't need a feeling. They don't need a sign. They they don't need a fancy print. They just need to make up their mind. I'm going with Jesus. They'll begin to exercise the authority through the grace of God to live the life that is pleasing to you, their master, oh Lord. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, that matchless name that is above every other name. Amen.